0: Hello, everyone. Welcome again to another episode of In the Know with Cat Babineau. Today, my guest is March Lorena. And March Lorena is a, a computer science teacher out in Vallejo, California. Welcome to the show.
1: Peace, greetings. How are you? Excuse me for my voice. I'm losing it. Second week of school.
0: Uh, That's understandable. I'm sure you've been yelling at quite a few people. I wasn't going to say kids. I'm sure there's adults, too, that need to be yelled at.
1: Actually, what I can say is um, being out here in Vallejo is new for me, just the Bay Area itself, but the Changemaker Academy for the Caliber schools, we got a really good bunch. And this is from me running, jumping, playing with the students at recess. So um, I just go crazy with them
0: as well. So this is just the second week. (laughs) Oh, it's all good. I totally understand. So... You just mentioned that all of this is new. So where do you hail from originally?
1: So, funny. So born and raised in Detroit, Michigan. Um, ran over to Phoenix, Arizona, following my mom and when I was 10. Of course, I had to go with her. And was born and raised in Detroit, Phoenix, Arizona. And then I kind of traveled around <clears throat> eight different countries. Oh,
0: eight different countries. Yeah, that's what's up. So you want to like name a few? Tell us where you've been.
1: Yes, I'm going to tell you where I want to go back to, which is home. Away from home is Kenya. Um, Started off in Europe, but we ended up in Kenya. So I work with a school in Kenya called the uh, Christian Secondary School. All girls, they just added boys. So they have 250 students. So if I had my choice, I would go back in the summer times in teaching Kenya. Oh,
0: wow, okay, okay. That's what's up. So um, let us know about computer science and how you got involved in computer science.
1: Yes, so um, I'll go way back when I was in junior college and I had a, a professor that was really, really interested in. I was good at computers, but this was before coding was a buzzword, before it was something that we all had to do maybe just some people was into coding Mm -hmm. and I guess my professor saw something in me that I really had an interest and I passed up that opportunity um, 18 years ago. Yeah. And then years later I was working with the boys and girls club of greater Washington and I started with um, in the YMCA and then I started working with the computer clubhouse program out of Boston. (laughs) <laughs> MIT, and all that time I didn't know that I was learning coding. And um, now that I'm a coding teacher here in Vallejo, it makes more sense and it's easier for me to explain to the students in a everyday kind of way, fashion.
0: Okay, okay. So um, you took us far back, but you want to take us a little bit further and let us know exactly what it is about computers that you know got you into them in the first place. A,
1: I love to tinker. Um, I like to take things apart, put them together. But what's most important about the computer and the way that I teach to the students is most of our lives are controlled by machines. Mm. Um, In some way, shape, or form, we are natural programmers. Um, I call my students junior code switchers so they understand that we're code switching. And then they'll say, Oh, Miss March Lorena, what is code switching? And so I'll say... um, I'll talk to them and I'll say, well, code switching is, and then I'll may I'll speak a different language. And then they say, Well, well, we don't understand what you said. And I said, That's right. Because the computer speaks a language, which is called coding. And then humans speak a language, which may be called English or Spanish or some other things. So when I communicate with them, I don't want this to be a far-fetched idea about what coding is. And or I'll say, Well, Did your parents tell you to do anything today? Yeah, they told me to get up and wash my face, brush my teeth. And I said, oh, so your parent would be considered a programmer because your parents programming you to take an instruction and do something. Oh, so what I'm learning is the more that you break it down in an everyday life situation, it's much easier than just to speak the coding language. So my love for coding is being able to take it apart Mm -hmm. From the ambiguous thoughts of what coding is. And then just make it everyday life and very simple for everyday people. Not just for children, but for seniors and for everyone.
0: That's really cool. So, you've taken your love of computers and tinkering and coding. And now you're giving back and teaching that to students. And so, when did you find your passion that what you wanted to do was also educate?
1: Ooh, I was thirteen. Oh. And instead of me going into the Boys and Girls Club program for the summer and enjoying, I wanted to run the programs. So I was my first job as a Boys and Girls Club a junior staff member. Mm-hmm. And from there, I've been like creating programs, not just computer programs, but educational programs for youth. And I always was one of those students that me always had my hand up, always knew the answer, always wanted to know more. And a lot of students like that are shut down
2: Mm -hmm. or they're
1: looked at in a way, you know, they know too much or, you know, they're taking the limelight, but that's just how they learn. And teaching coding and being in education helps me um, learn different learning styles and then create curriculums that are applicable to the students.
0: Okay. Okay. So when you decided that coding was your lifestyle, teaching was your lifestyle, and uh, you also taught in these other countries, right? I heard you said you taught in Kenya. Did you teach in the other countries you were at? Um,
1: no, I spent most of my time in Kenya. The other countries I went was like um, Europe, France, Spain, mm-hmm. Italy, Morocco was nice. I thought I would stay there. But when I got to Kenya, the children, the young girls, right, for me to see all of these young girls lined up with shaved heads. And I asked, you know, why are your head, heads shaved? Because it's we're all beautiful and it's not about how we look on the outside. Mm-hmm. Like, wow. And so the girls it started out as a girls school. And so I kind of helped them. They had, they needed to get their land in order. And so I would just send them things. So now I'm going to send them some science stuff so they can do some science and some coding. But in the summer I can go see them. So I just think that um, I just love children. I love teaching it's been a passion since 13 and I don't think I'll stop.
0: (laughs) Well, that's awesome. I mean, we definitely need teachers, especially in STEM who are stepping up and they're teaching their kids about it and, you know, making sure the next generation is there to take on the realms of going into STEM education or STEM jobs. And um, so I wanted to ask you now about being in computer science and working with coding. How do you feel it's how do how do you feel about its diversity?
1: Oh, you want to get real about it. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little bit. Well, so let me say something to you. I've been in the Bay Area for three years. Okay. Um, I have taken two positions in Silicon Valley. One for the city, um for the city of Palo Alto. Mm-hmm. And then the other was um for the computer history museum. Okay. And what I would say is there's a certain culture that they have in Silicon Valley. And um, when I worked for the Computer History Museum, I learned fast that I was not the right cultural fit. And these are the words that were said to me when I was let go from the Computer History Museum. Are you
0: serious? You are not a cultural
1: fit? (laughs) So I have anxiety from this word fit. Yes. Even when I work with my students, I am very, very, very mindful not to speak to them in that way. And so I explained that to them at the Computer History Museum because it's not a lot of us. Mm -hmm. I was able to connect with the Black Silicon Valley Chamber of Commerce. Mm -hmm. They did their very first hackathon. And they were really excited that I was at the Computer History Museum, but didn't think I would last.
0: Because they knew what I didn't know wow. wasn't the right fit. So, um, were you at the Black Chamber of Commerce hackathon? Um, when was that? A couple months yes. ago? I, I, was was. Right. I was there. Right. <laughs> you? Yeah. I
1: was there. Um, I went, you know, I was the design, code, build um, program coordinator for the Computer History Museum. So, I went to see what was going on. I met some really cool p- people. Chris Norwood was one of them. Mm-hmm. He talked about the youth. And then I met the, the group that won, which is really cool. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. That's so, so a Small world and we didn't know each other. <laughs> no, <but laughs> we did not even know meet. each other now. Yes.
1: And I'm I'm happy that you're asking me about diversity because um, being the fact that I teach coding for kinder- TK, kindergarten, first and second. Mm-hmm it's important that they understand that they automatically fit right? and they automatically know that they are programmers already. So when they are older and they're going to jobs, they're not taken aback when they're not the right fit for the culture. And being the fact that Silicon Valley is just right there and we're Mm -hmm. here in Vallejo, um, um, caliber schools, the changemaker Academy is the only school in Vallejo that actually teach coding. And that's the problem because we're right here.
0: Right. I mean, we we're a stone throws away, you know. You
1: would think. hmm All the tech companies would love to come into these communities that um, don't have the access that they need and make it available.
0: Right. Which is a shout-out. I feel like it is a shout-out to Silicon Valley.
1: Hey. What she's
0: saying is Thank we you. need you to come into these communities And help teach our kids about coding. And you can hire from the Bay Area because we're right here. From the Bay
1: Area, but most importantly, from the communities Mm -hmm. in which you are putting these programs in. Mm -hmm. Because if the students see the teachers or, you know, the community workers that are already in their community and they're teaching them and they know a different language, which is coding, they're going to love it. But you can't expect to come for Silicon Valley and tell us what to do, mm-hmm. and tell us we need it, and expect for us to receive it.
0: Right. I, yeah. I totally understand. I, I get what you're saying, and I'm 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 actually a little stuck on what you said about being a cultural fit. Like, I don't I don't I don't get that. That doesn't make any sense, and that's that's the problem that I'm fighting now, which is why I do this show because I don't know how many times adults and children have said, I don't look like a biologist. You know, well, well, what does a biologist look like? What does a computer scientist look like? What what does a coder look like? There is no definition of any of those things. And
1: this is exactly why when I teach, or even when the parents, when they, well, what is coding? And I give them the same example. I said, hey, you you have a device, right? You have to put a code in there, it's a password you just program this device to accept an instruction. Right. That's it? Yeah. So the world has you thinking that it's something that's huge that we can't comprehend. We've been code switching from the beginning.
0: This is what we do. And that's a really good that's a really good analogy and a really good explanation. I mean, I I feel the same way when I talk about science and I talk about working with animals and being outside. And it's just like, oh, I can't do it. I don't understand biology. And I'm like, or I don't understand chemistry. And I say, okay, well, do you like eggs? Yeah. Okay, well, what you just did when you cracked an egg in a skillet, you used fire, which is a catalyst. And you changed it from one entity to another. Bam, you did chemistry. It's right there is everything we do every day. And you see how simple you explain
1: that? Mm-hmm. Now, if we were all in that fashion and had that confidence to explain things in that way, we as adults, as well as our children, we would walk around knowing that we are who we are. And it is, it's like second nature. So when I talk to them and I teach them the way we talk and I talk to them the same way, to let them know that this is this is what we do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So they just need more of us to reflect the students that we're teaching
0: right we need more people more diverse people Mm -hmm. and you know coming out and sharing their expertise and saying what we're doing this is why we do it which is why i'm thanking you personally for being on the show to share your experience and talk about it i appreciate it yeah and so um let's change this subject a little bit And let's talk about what you do outside of STEM. So like, what are your hobbies? What are things that you enjoy doing?
1: (laughs) So I knew you were gonna ask me this question. And so I told you I've been here three years, two and a half of the years, I was just on a complete fast. I didn't go out, I didn't hang out. I did volunteer a lot with the homeless community, but um, I like to exercise. So I leave work and work out a lot, Mm -hmm. but honestly, I just, I'm always in my head about creative ways of what we could do to enhance and um, evolve our children on different levels. And ultimately, I would love to prefab and flip shipping containers okay. into homes for oh, okay. people who need it. Mm-hmm. And um, my goal is to have the shipping containers in those communities that do not have access because they could be hub techs that inside of them could be all of the technology that they need for maker spaces mm-hmm. and their container. So it's not like you could break in them and get into them. Mm-hmm. So I can put them in the roughest communities. If it's such a thing and put them in those communities and make sure that they have access. So ultimately that's what I would love to do. So I'm like on the ladder to that.
0: Okay. I can, I totally understand that, but you are in the Bay area. You are in California. So I you know, my suggestions get out and hike at least. You not still exercise. You know,
1: I do hiking. like Lake Merritt. I do walk Lake Merrick.
0: That is not hiking. Oh, uh, look, yeah, that lake. is walking the lake. I, I'm, so a, I'm are you a inviting me you. on a hike. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna need you to go to the redwoods. I mean, they right here in Oakland and Hayward and San Francisco. Go actually into the woods and you know see I a bit of.
1: Hmm. I just haven't done all of that here. So thank you for the encouragement. Yes, it
0: is. You can. All right. And I'm going to share this video in my hiking groups because I'm about to shout you out right now. But there is We Are Family Hiking and there's Heat Hiking Every Available Trail and Outdoor Afro. So those are three ones, three that you should look up out here in the Bay Area and you will have a fantastic time with them. Awesome. All of them are um, started by African-Americans.
1: I did see um, the Afro. Outdoor Afro. Outdoor Afro. They're located in the hub. Yeah. The, the, mm-hmm. Okay. So I did. I walked past. They weren't in there. Okay, cool.
0: Yeah. So those are three that you can enjoy. And then on, on top of that, you know, we got food. We got dancing. You can go to um, First Fridays, which is tomorrow. You know what? Oak, I do Oak, that. Yeah. Oakland Museum has Friday nights as well. Half off. And I don't know why. I mean, we completely got off STEM, but I'm just saying. These are all <laughs> as, as
1: I told you, I was here for three yeah. years and two and a half. I've been on a fast. Yeah. So I understand you're trying to bring me
0: out of my shell. Yes, please. Right? Come on out the shell and meet more like-minded people like yourself. And, you know, be a part of the community. Indeed. And I would
1: also like to throw a shout out, not just for Caliber Schools because I work here, but we're always looking for the most diverse um, teachers.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, would love to have a lot of male teachers. We have Mr. B here, who is our math teacher, which is great. Um, so is really good about making sure that the school teachers reflect the community. So uh, yeah, that, that, that'll be great. Looking forward to seeing more people here.
0: <laughs> All right, that, <laughs> that sounds good, okay. and um, Let's go back to STEM, talking about yes. STEM. And is there anyone in your life that's been like a really big influence for you when it came to going into computer science or someone who mentored you along the way or still mentoring you in computer science?
1: So I'm not going to say no one inspired me. Oh. <laughs> but I will say um, my sons. And I will say because my youngest son always had to have something in his hands. Mm -hmm. He was younger and with our young brothers of African descent in our school system, sometimes they're not understood. They may act out or whatever it may be, and they may need something. He was one of those students that always had an answer, but he always had to do something. So he was always tinkering. So for me, I, as a single mom, I had to find create programs and find programs for my sons to be in, but also that um, kind of connected with their learning style. So he loved engineering, or one was really good at math. So that was something that I, I had to do to keep them. Um, so they were my inspiration. Oh. So I took them with me everywhere, and I would test, you know, programs and ideas on them.
0: Okay. Yeah. Well, that's that's up, you know you have to have someone there that's going to keep you going. And sounds like your sons were the ones who kept you going in computer science, which yeah. is awesome.
1: Yeah. Now I'm an empty nester. Oh. Yeah, they're 18 and 23. Oh, and yeah.
0: See that? I feel like this. Is, you are a perfect example of black on crack because I never would have guessed that you have an 18 and a 23 year old son. Really? Yeah, I never.
1: Oh, and my 23 year old gave me a granddaughter that's four. And you're a grandmother,
0: girl. What? Mm-hmm. Oh, all right. <laughs> I'm yeah. just gonna say okay. That's cool. Um, never would have guessed it. Never would have guessed it, but all right, I am grateful. Is you know what it is? I've been working with you for 20 years,
1: so they have to keep me young. Like, I still run, do air hockey, I do what do you, what do, you do? Um, air karate.
2: <laughs> oh, you should see air me on karate. reset
0: all day. I, that's all I do with them, so yeah. But okay. thank you, I appreciate it. Oh, no problem. And uh, is there anything that you want to tell the younger generation? I know you work with them, but those who might be watching, um, what it is about computer science you like and any advice you would give them if they were interested in it.
1: Well, I will give them two things. So I go by the three C's and then I also go by the three R's. So the three C's would be cultivate a connection to your community, customize lifelong relationships Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and create a sustainable personal and professional brand as our young people, even my sons, they love name brands and I tell them all the time, we need to stop being consumers and we need to be creators. Mm -hmm. So find a design. I don't care what it is. Scribble, scrabble something, put it on a t-shirt, market yourself. We are about social entrepreneurship. And for us, the ones that are not the right cultural fit for Silicon Valley or whatever, I say this, re-engineer your thoughts, restructure who you are, and then rediscover you moving forward. Yes, it hurt my feelings to be told at 40 that you're not the right cultural fit to work at a museum wow! where there's 2,000 years of computing history and we're not a part of it. So it was a great experience to be there because I learned a lot so then I can give to the children and back to the community. Right. So that's what I would tell everybody, just inside focus, focus on you first, be the best you first. And really tap into your own natural talents, because we all have them. My natural talent, I think, was working with youth. It's what I do. Like, I know this, like, the front and back of my hand, that's my task. We all have a task. But tap into your own personal task, what you have that's yours, because can't nobody
0: do it like you. And that's what I would say to
1: my younger people, and just
0: that was for me too. Yeah, and that was for me too. <laughs> I, I ingested it; it was right in here. Um Before we got on camera, and we we're about to end. But before we got on camera, I don't know if I'm gonna call you out on it or whatever. But we were talking; we were like dropping a little beat or whatever. So I didn't know if you had like a musical background that you wanted to share with oh, people. Oh no, no, I
1: just I do poetry, oh. but no,
0: yeah, you, you don't want to drop a poem? That could be your. Outro for our show today. Oh, I can't wait to meet you in person. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it has nothing to do with coding. That's Definitely. fine. That's fine. Uh,
1: so, yeah, if I remember it all. All right. Uh, sure. Thank you. You're welcome. Wow, this would be my first time dropping anything in Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um When I look into your eyes, by no surprise, I realize that you are the one for me, not the pretty and polite side of me, but all of me, the morning breath and the week before I renew myself, me, because when I look into your eyes, by no surprise, I realize that you are the one for me, or are you? Brother, allow me to bless thee with a prescription for your sudden addiction to queen. You must have heard my signature piece and deemed yourself the mnemonic narrator and the reason that I can't breathe, but not in tune with what I really need is for you to step inside of me so you can see what I see, the future of a noble king and queen. Because when I look into your eyes, by no surprise, I realize that you are the one for me, or are you? See, brother, I need you into me like a baby to my womb. I need you to fall deep so fast, but allow queen to catch you. I need your first thought to be God, but your next to be me. I need to explore the divine essence of thee, but not just physically, mentally true, I need you to step inside my kingdom and have mind sex with you. I need to have mind sex with you. And as we struggle with our higher and lower selves suspended in time with Kama Sutra vines, I've transitioned from a wisdom to queen, 360 degree stings of divine truth, peace. I'm striving to build with you on the future of our youth. So I strategically need you to reflect the seven, 15th, and fourth letter of the supreme alphabets G O D, brother. Can you hear me?
0: Peace. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that was
1: awesome. I needed you to know that. So I'm at school talking to a computer. Yeah. Do that. It's a lot different than being in front of a lot of people.
0: Um, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm I'm snapping on it. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you, and I want to say thank you so much for being on the show today. I really, really appreciate it. Like you said, I can't wait to meet you in person. We're here in the Bay Area, so you know, come out with us anytime. Indeed. And uh, Look, looking forward for the next hike, so I'm I'm on it. Whenever it is, you, I'm on it. You say that it's Saturday. That's it's Saturday. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. I'm Just let me know where. Yep, I'm going to send it to you. Um, Alright, thank you so much. And to my audience, I want to say thank you for being a part of the show again today. And remember, if you ever want to be a part of this or you have some questions for Marsh Lorena, send them to me, I'll send them to her, and we will keep in touch. Thank you until next time.